Welcome, welcome, welcome to Longevity Now, the place for all your news and views about life extension from around the world. As you know from previous podcasts, many former leaders and founders of Longevity have moved on to other important ventures in life extension and rejuvenation. One person who has had a hand in many different organizations, fulfilling many different roles, is the guest of this podcast. He has been a business owner, Immortality Institute director, heavily involved with SENS and the Methuselah Foundation, researcher for the Buck Institute, and now, well, listen in and find out what Kevin Parrott thinks is important for progress. And now I would like to welcome to the Longevity Now podcast, Kevin Parrott, someone everyone should be familiar with as one of the early contributors to the Immortality Institute and then went on to do some research at the Buck Institute. He's been very involved for many years in the rejuvenation field. Uh, Kevin, welcome to the program. Hi, Justin, and thanks a lot for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, let's catch up with you now. Uh, many people might be familiar with your path. Uh, first, you were a business owner in uh, Canada for a while, uh, came on to the Immortality Institute, worked for SENS and the Buck Institute. Uh, what are you currently doing right now, or what is in your near future? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I do have a, a long and a long and storied history for sure um back almost pre-internet so that's kind of a cool thing it was an yes. enabling technology yeah, that brought us all together in the early days and i'm glad to still be part of that uh that wave you know there's not just me from those early days still still active and involved um <clears throat> but so for at the moment um i'm currently f still finishing my degree at the buck institute so i'm, I'm just closing off my thesis of, and uh, we'll be defending this fall. But in the process of, of working on my degree as well, um, I did help uh, establish ocean biotechnologies for which I'm, I'm, uh, I'm still involved, uh, as well as the SENS Research Foundation, of course, uh, which has been a major, major force in this community with the Aubrey DeGray spearheading and being the icebreaker on, on much of what we see today in the community. Um, the Methuselah Foundation, uh, again, is still active and engaged, and David Goebel and I uh, discuss uh, new prize structures from time to time, and I think we'll be seeing something uh, fairly new coming from, from uh, the Methuselah Foundation soon. Uh, but I've over the years, I've sort of seen that science is there, it's being done, there's an awful lot being done, but and, and really what's not happening is that the potential of the science that we have already currently got in hand is sort of being left so on the table. Let me yeah. set you there. That's I think that's one complaint a lot of people that are in the SENS community and longevity and things that there just doesn't seem to be much translational research. That's the exactly. uh, term, correct? Yeah, uh, that's that, exactly okay. right. So that's the frustration because... You know, in 2007, 2008, when rapamycin was first demonstrated to help extend healthy lifespan in mice, you know, there was a big hubbub, you know, lots of media coverage. And yet to this date, 10 years down the road, there still isn't the actual human data available, despite it being a well-prescribed drug, you know, well-understood risk profile. You know, we still don't have the human data to tell us whether or not it helps in early uh, uh, dementia or a whole bunch of human cases, although uh, we have struggled and now have successful 
data from studies in Seattle from Matt Caberline's lab to show that, and that will be published soon, but it's well known that rapamycin helps with heart uh, disease or heart health as well as bone health. And so in every experimental model yet, rapamycin has been shown to be positive, but yet it has languished on the, uh, you know, uh, to, to demonstrate anything in humans because of the lack of patenting ability, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of us standing on the sidelines and going, okay, well, I guess we may have to take things into our own hands to some degree. And a lot of people are doing self-directed research with not just rapamycin, but other modalities, maybe metformin, maybe just plain exercise and different lifestyle interventions. But all these people individually doing these types of interventions, we need to measure these the, the effectiveness of these interventions. Oh, in, most in certainly. Many, yeah. yeah. In the many new ways that we can now, uh, we can do blood tests and tests for many, many different things, more than we could have even 10 years ago. So one of the things that I'm trying to spearhead is that I've just incorporated actually is a new nonprofit called Open Cures. And it is, seeks to develop a platform to allow individuals who are doing self-directed research the ability to uh, get, gain access to blood tests and, and vendors to help them do diagnostics, but also to help them store their data and uh, de-risk the sharing of their data so that they can benefit from uh, the aggregate value of, of combining their data with other people. Uh, without risking uh, their own data. So I'm working with a new company called Health Linkages uh, here in the Bay Area, at IndieBio actually, and they have taken a blockchain technology and adapted it in a heuristic form for health data because blockchain technology inherently can't handle very high amounts of data very quickly, so it's it's got some big limitations for medical use. But these guys have managed to come up with a, a model that seems to be able to get around some of that and provide a high speed uh, as well as guaranteeing the providence of the data and protecting individuals. So uh, this nonprofit Open Cures plans to build a platform, a data, a data sharing platform to help uh, people do that. So, um, and I'm also working with other interested people in the community who everybody knows. But So I'm looking at spring of 2018 to sort of launch this officially. So that's one of my focuses at the time. Okay. Uh, anything else uh, uh, that oh, sure. you might? Yeah, so so I'm also uh, measure. So we we've seen uh, like Lifespan.io's uh, recent uh, program project or or fundraising drive uh, for the age meter, and that is just an indication of the ongoing conversation and need for biomarkers and for for measuring aging, which is just another way of saying measuring health that is declining. So we really need to talk about how can we use new informatics, new information technologies to bring together the various pieces of information of our lives and tell us how healthy we are. And when we do something that actually influences that health in a negative or positive way, or if it's just entropy that's that's pulling at us. Because if you can't measure something, you have really not a lot of incentive to develop things to influence that because you can't tell if you're, you're, you're doing any kind of a benefit. So medical science need, has, a, has this missing medical metric called health score. And health score is a concept that is being looked at by some pretty big names here in the Bay Area. It's right now, it's just a tiny little idea, but with some, some big attraction, because it really is a, a universally missing metric, both for industry and for individual decisions in health.
Okay, so uh, you're going to uh, help that along then, uh, getting the health data, gotcha. Now, one thing I wanted to ask about is your journey, a long journey here for many years. You know, a lot of people come to longevity and they read about, hey, we might be able to reverse aging or we might be able to rejuvenate the human body and maybe there's some supplements that uh, people could take that uh, would keep them healthier. And, you know, after a couple of years, uh, people kind of maybe uh, uh, drift away thinking, you know, well, <laughs> this stuff didn't really work all that great. I, I mean, how do you stay focused and how do you stay motivated uh, through all these years uh, to continue this very difficult uh, research yeah. journey well, to... I think I think that's an interesting question because I do meet people as well, a lot of people as well, who have sort of like a transient uh, interest in in aging, and usually it's it's uh, usually a specific purpose. They have something specific in mind. That a specific event occurred in their lives. Um, and they have a sort of a phase where they're, they start thinking or they see something in a headline or something and it makes them think that it's a short-term thing, that it's a quick wins kind of thing, that there's actually information out there that is really clear and actionable. And when they get involved, um, they sort of lose the enthusiasm because they realize it's very difficult and there's an awful lot of uh, unknowns yet. And back in actually 2002, when I first heard about this, and I uh, heard about Aubrey de Grey, and I flew to Cambridge on my own dime to take in my first conference, an aging conference of, of a sense nature, I guess. And I went away from that feeling so depressed because it was very clear that there was really a lot, a lot of work to do. But at the same time, for me, it was clear that, you know, that this was just, this was a problem that we would be iteratively chipping away at, that new technologies were doing it, and that people of, of a, a path with passion and, and uh, you know, uh, ability would make this a focus. And that's why I joined SENS, because I wanted to be one of those people. And that's why I joined the Methuselah Foundation, because it's like gravity. I see this as gravity. It, we know that we're all falling apart. We're all going to die. Our parents are all falling apart. They're all going to die. Um, and I just don't see any reason that if there is a non-zero probability of doing something about it um, with cool people doing cool things, you know, even if we're not entirely successful and I don't make it, you know, uh, it just seems to be a no-brainer that this is what we should be working on and that if, if we can. But not everybody can do it. We just need more people to get involved, and if they can't, uh, you know, be involved as a scientist or, or business owner or these sorts of things, they could still at least donate resources and talk it up amongst their own uh, circle. Yeah, I guess that's a very, that, that's a wonderful point that you make there about ways to contribute. Uh, because, uh, you know, I mean, many people think, well, I'm not a scientist, but it's amazing how much you can do as oh, yeah. just on the promotional end of uh, yeah. things uh, to help raise money, you know, to organize, help organize a conference. You know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to help organize a conference <laughs> or a thing like that. Uh, well, so it is all it is all awareness, because if I could take what's inside my head in terms of what I know to be facts and evidence about doing something about aging that is very real. And if I could put that in a whole bunch of people's brains just by immediate transference, I think we would see a pretty big shift 
So it is all about awareness and being able to communicate information and, and uh, being you know, your profession, you know, your, your, uh, during the day, your day job is yep. communicating weather information. Right. You know, um, it's it's good to have people who are aware of marketing and the importance of getting the information in a, in a palatable form into the mainstream because that is crucial to our success. Well, it's great to hear uh, what you've been up to over the last few years, Kevin, and I hope that everything continues to go smoothly in the near future. And remember, I, everyone that's listening to this podcast, uh, that we've got a new nonprofit, Open Cures, coming that perhaps we can help support and get oh, a lot uh, of data. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Come on in and get a front row seat and work with other people, share your data with other like-minded individuals, and we will find out things and benefit the movement more than, you know, the last 10 years for sure has benefited while yeah. we've been sitting on some of these things. So right. we have to move it forward and, and we'll all benefit. Well, thanks so much for joining us on the Longevity Now podcast, Kevin. Totally. Thank you. Appreciate it much. Take care. After talking to Kevin, it makes me wonder again why more people do not get more involved. Like Kevin, uh, many other activists and researchers are very busy. All of the rejuvenation-based organizations, including Longevity, could use some helping hands. Monetary donations are great. And just a reminder, the Age Meter fundraiser will continue through the middle of September. But even just a few minutes per week of promotional activity could really help. It's a long-term battle against aging. Stay motivated, like Kevin. Until next time, I'm Justin Lowe.